Hello and welcome to Say That, podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. We're back. Also joining us, Jed Brewer, director of Mission USA Productions. Greetings. Joining us all the way from Rutgers, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. What I heard is Matt only likes things that are European now. Wow. That's true. I am wearing culottes. <laughs> But that's not because of Europe. That's just because I like a nice breeze. Where'd you get that scarf, Mr. King? I knitted it myself. Oh, got a little beret on. It's a whole thing. Yeah, I I like that idea of being the annoying person who came back from study abroad, but not getting any more specific than Europe. (laughs) (laughs) He's got a kilt. And a beret <laughs> and later hose I did think of you the other day, Matt. I was in the Starbucks, the local Starbucks, and a gentleman walked in with a kilt in yeah. broad daylight. Wow. And I thought, oh, the only person I know that owns a kilt besides this fellow right here is the one and only Matt King. That's true. Yes. I do. It's very, it's very festive. Yes. Very seasonal. And uh, I cannot be clear enough, people. Um. Don't, don't wear your kill during the day. That's evening wear. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's keep it. Let's keep it. Because it's important to do things. Timing's important. Yes. Yeah. And with that in mind, I have to declare a seasonal emergency. Whoa. Mm. Is that a pumpkin spice emergency? It could be. Okay. If you go to the Starbucks, it's probably going to be pumpkin spice. <laughs> now, it is the Halloween season. If you're mm. listening to this and the week comes out, it is right before Halloween. And we had a little bit of social media discussion, yes, yes. Fa- uh, fostered by our own Jed Brewer about candy ranking. Yeah, yeah. This turned into a full blown kerfuffle. Yes, all three. <laughs> it's one of those things you look at a because I had been out of town. And I was scrolling through the social media and catching up, and you you see like a Facebook post that Jed Brewer posted the link to the thing. I think just there'll be enough comments that it can't show them all, so it just has a number of comments. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, you know, 12 comments on this. I was like, that's a lot of people. And I clicked, and it was mainly Glenn. Right. Just and But Lee was in there with some opinions. Our friend of the show, Adam, uh, Bim. We had some folks in there. So before we get to maybe another type of candy ranking, gentlemen, what's on your hearts when it comes to the Halloween candy wow. here? Like, what's the best? Yeah, what, 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 let the people know where we stand. Listen, uh, there's Snickers. Yeah. That's the queen mother of all candies. <laughs> Does yeah. that mean that Snickers has monkey strength, Glenn? Let me tell you what. If you think that Queen Elizabeth is does not possess chimp strength. <laughs> you, queen Elizabeth is not well the queen mother? I know that's only like the 17th most wrong thing <laughs> about what we just said, but it's the only one I feel comfortable pointing to. Well, that's, yeah. It's it, well the whole you know the whole line of them comes down from the Plantagenets you know what that's I mean? true yeah right that's, that's the, true the whole thing but what I'm trying to say is you got your Snickers bar yeah okay and it, look, it really satisfies let me just tell you this if it's not basically in your top five we're out of here we're not having a discussion if you think that's not number one or at least top five yeah. Well, I just don't accept your results. Yeah. Seems reasonable. You're a man of science, above all. Yep. Lee, you, ex- you expressed opinions. Please please do share them with the people. I did. I, I'm, I'm going to say a couple things here. And, and the, uh, 
the the audience of the podcast needs to know that I'm a big fan of the super fans of the podcast. We oh, we right. love you. We're grateful for your for just for your faithfulness to this whatever this is. But my brother Adam Whedon, uh, your disdain for candy corn cannot go uh, undealt with. Yeah. <laughs> He's a bold truth teller. He's a man of vision and of character, and I won't have him impugned on my program. Wow. Right. Here's what I'm saying you to you. You know what? The candy corn is for real. You know what? What we're having here is a candy corn civil war. Yeah. Sure. It's tearing this podcast apart. <laughs> yep. A candy corn schism, if you will. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. I, I will say this. I, I do think that I do think that Twix is an amazing candy bar. For me, yep. it's my it's one of my go tos. If I, I look every now and then, I'll I'll dip my toe into the the waters of the Three Musketeers. I'm not ashamed. Sure, right. But uh, and and by the way, if I'm talking those the frozen versions of candy bars, uh, I don't know if you guys have had these. That's uh, where they take you're, a candy you're talking bar, about like an ice cream Twix. Oh yeah, exactly, my That's friend. Oh, an ice cream Twix is proof of a loving God. Also, dude. this is all I'm saying. Unless handed out on Halloween, in which case it's a very cruel joke. Well, there is that. Well, here's what I'm saying to you: You go into a any convenience store, go over to the ice chest, grab yourself a an ice cream Twix. That's that is just basically how you know that Jesus loves you. But yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have ever done this, but if you ask somebody that, that makes milkshakes, or if you do this at home with a blender, put a Twix into your milkshake. We're talking game changer forever. Okay? And, uh, but yeah, I'm thinking Twix, candy corn, uh, mellow cream pumpkins. I'm right up there. Hmm. Yeah. Mellow cream pumpkin is like eating seven pieces of candy corn at once. <laughs> so depending on your feelings on candy corn... You're really going to really like that or really, really not. If you yeah. start saying numbers, Matt, then uh, we could have Bible numerology Jed show up un, you know, unannounced. Or could we? <laughs> I don't think summoning him counts as unannounced. Yeah. If, you, if we say his name three times like Beetlejuice, <laughs> does that count? That's right. I'd watch Michael Keaton play Bible numerology, Jed. Let's <laughs> yeah. be clear about that. He. <laughs> He was good in Birdman. I'm, totally. We can be part of that comeback. Well, Jed, as the, as the man who brought us this research, and it was scientific research yeah, about yeah. Your, your top 10 candies, uh, what, what do you have to share with us? you have preferences? you have thoughts? I got to say, and uh, I really, truly mean this, I've never had a candy I didn't like. Right. Like in life, I've, I've yeah. never had a candy I didn't like. Right. I'm not the world's biggest fan of peanut brittle, but I'll eat peanut brittle. What is wrong with you? I, I and you know I I lived in Georgia as a kid, so I don't I don't have to say. But this is my point is even the stuff that I'm not crazy about, yeah. I'll definitely eat. You'll it. eat it. I'll, I'll eat it. I mean, yeah. it's still candy. It's still I I love all candy, and this is you not don't judge the candy. No, I, I embrace all the candy. Yeah. As much candy as you will give me, I will eat. Real what candy I, universalist. This is exactly what I'm saying. To me, though, there is there there there's one candy that it has a special place in my heart. I don't know that it's necessarily the best or my top number one favorite. But it's so hard to get a good one. And this is what I'm saying is the Reuben sandwich, right? It has to be done yeah. just right. Yeah. When it's done just right, it's like the most amazing thing in the world. It's yeah. just rarely done right. Okay. Butterfinger is yeah. the Reuben sandwich of the candy world. Okay. Because it needs to be fresh. Yes, right? that's a, correct. A stale Butterfinger is, yeah. what are we talking? I mean, I'll yeah. eat it. Of course, I'll. it's of candy. Course. you're eating it. But 
the true experience of the Butterfinger is a fresh Butterfinger. And they're hard to find, dude. They are hard to find. But when you got one, you really got something. This is what I'm so like every time I open a Butterfinger wrapper, it's just that, you know, it's playing with my heartstrings. Is am I opening disappointment right now? Right. Is, wow. is that what's going to happen? There's you know, a tension there. It's and it's hard, dude. Yeah. I mean, you know, so sometimes you know, like I I see Butterfingers like I'm not ready to be hurt again. Right. You know, right. I, I'm going to I'm going to go with a safer candy because you've broken my heart too many right. times. This is like an abusive relationship. <laughs> yeah, uh, that got deep. Also, for some reason, I just uh, I just don't think the phrase the Butterfinger is the Reuben sandwich of candy bars is ever going to leave my brain. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think that we need to have some due diligence on the Haribo gummy bears. Oh, oh strong man. choice. Because the Haribo gummy bear. It, it needs to have its place in the sun. It does. Yeah, that's strong. Yeah. Strong. Yeah. Well, here, here's what I'm going to put to you, gentlemen, and you're all uh, you're all wrong. Okay. You're all Philistines, and okay. uh, you're all heretics. Okay. Okay. So, um, because we, I think what we need to understand and identify is the most Christian of Ooh. Halloween oh. candies, and the Chick Fil A of Halloween. Candies. Absolutely. You've all been talking. Lord. You've all been talking about your your Stop desires yeah. and your wants and your own uh-huh. petty, you know. Things that you know, we really we need to rise above I, that. I swear, uh, if you say testaments, I'm leaving the show. <laughs> <laughs> that's an awful pun that I wish I thought of. Yeah, that's um, good. So, but here's I'm going to put this to you, yeah. gentlemen. I think I'm going to put forth the Kit Kat. Ooh, it's the most Christian of Halloween candies. And why okay. would that be? Well, it's got wafers in it. Oh, and you have a nice Kit Kat. <laughs> yeah, you're halfway to communion already. That's not bad. I, I think I can build on that. Please. Okay, a few things. First of all, give me a break. Give me a break. Break me off a piece of that Kit Kat par. Isn't that what the Lord wants to do in your life is to give you a break? It's of the Sabbath. Wow. That's that's what he's trying Official to do. Official candy. Okay. There's a rest the that Shabbat. remains, in, yes. according to the Hebrew, Hebrews chapter 4. Absolutely. Also, did Jesus not break bread and oh, having broken it, give it to his disciples? Exceptional. I think we've identified it. I think if you go trick-or-treating, if you have a child, if you're just a weird adult who still goes trick-or-treating, we don't judge. We support that. Um, if maybe you have like an office thing and people hand out candy, and anyone gives you anything other than a Kit Kat bar, you can accuse them of being on a grease shoot to hell. That's right. Wow. And I think it is your duty to, as, you know, for those of you who grew up with sad childhoods and know Halloween as Reformation Day, um, you can go ahead well, and nail your own 95 theses to their door. I was honestly wondering if legalistic Jeb was going to point out Reformation Day instead of Halloween. Uh, He's thinking about it, but I was distracted by something else, which oh. is, it is it is related to this. It's also a shameless plug. Okay, Please. so this is a true fact. Um, in the Japanese market, Kit Kat is huge. Yeah. Like, that's a, a yeah, big Isn't it like a ton of the words, unusual The words flavors. Kit Kat sound like good luck, I think, in Japan, in oh, Japanese language. So it's like, they're big gifts. But yeah, they have like hundreds and hundreds of flavors. I have a list. Please. And dear listener, I've gotten to try very few of these. And I'm serious when I say, I like all candy. Yeah. Right. So, like, if you want to send us, if you live elsewhere in the world and you want to send us funky flavors of Kit Kat, we would be deeply excited to receive this. P.O. Box 316, Forest Park, Illinois, 60130. No, no wait, we're talking about making up a spreadsheet, meticulously checking off. <laughs> the scientific method. Doing reviews no on a YouTube channel. Yeah, all of that. that this, if you send us enough Kit Kats, this is the podcast from now on, so be aware of that. <laughs> Prepare yourself. This is about to get funky, and this is just a sampling. I'm okay. leaving a bunch out. Apple, 
bakeable custard, baked potato, banana, blueberry cheesecake, brown sugar syrup, cafe au lait, cantaloupe, cappuccino, oh. cherry, chestnut, choco banana, cinnamon cookie, citrus golden blend, corn, cough drop, <laughs> creme brulee, oh, double bro. cookie, edamame, no. European cheese, exotic Tokyo, bro. fruit parfait, <laughs> ginger ale, green bean, hot Japanese no. chili, Kobe pudding, and lemon cheesecake. Get away, dude. For I want all of those. Right? Yeah, I, would, yeah. I would stand in line for that creme brulee Kit Kat. I'm not kidding. Dude, I am so there with you. Yes. We it, must eat all the yeah. Kit Kat. Yes. It contains multitudes. It is of the nations. The Kit Kat. I think that should the be of Glenn's, candies. I think that should be Glenn's Twitter bio. We must eat all the Kit Kats. Yeah. 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 I yeah. won't be happy until we've eaten all of the Kit Kats. <laughs> That's just we have now just we have set that in motion. I want to be clear. If you're a listener, you might be concerned. Hopefully. About the following. I've talked before about the fact that we do have an industrial-sized container of ranch dressing sitting across the studio from us. Yep. That is true. We do. And that, yes, there have been times where we've thought about taking these various exotic meats and dipping them in ranch dressing. Again, an inexact use of the word we. Jed is the only one who's ever had that thought. <laughs> yeah, but I've definitely had it. But you're wondering, would Jed do that with a Kit Kat? No. No. No, I would right. not. Right. No. So you don't have to worry about that. You can just send in the Kit Kats. I think everyone's would relieved. No. Would, would you though, Jen? Maybe. I mean, like if I brought it over. Well, the, I mean, like the hot Japanese chili flavored Kit Kat. I mean, that, yeah, I mean, that, that ranch dressing. Yeah. You know, that this, would be awesome. I mean, We're losing be- this case. <laughs> it's sweet and savory. Are from a faraway land, or maybe they have them here in America. We just and we just don't know that has the the exotic flavors of Kit Kat. PO Box two and six, Forest Park, Illinois six zero one three zero. It could be like an advent calendar. Yes, you open the little thing and get a different flavor Kit Kat. That would be the greatest advent calendar of all time. Yep. I'm not wow. sure we're going to make it through the holiday season. I'm never <laughs> sure of that, but this time for very specific. I can't eating think twenty. That. Eating yep. 25 full Kit Kat bars in a row. <laughs> but given that that's an emergency it. for another day, right now, <laughs> I'm going to declare emergency off. Matt, you can declare it, but we're not going to forget it. Oh, there's just so very much happened right there. I'm not, that was going to be such a fun, wholesome, seasonal emergency. And man, that went in some directions, folks. Yeah. But uh, one thing we keep, I, we keep a much tighter rein on is Bridgebox. You won't have to hear about anybody's weird, various desires to eat anything or dip anything in ranch dressing. <laughs> so far, Jed does set the topic, so it's only so far until that happens. <laughs> but we're still in the month of October, where in the, our Bridgebox we're looking at how should I use the Bible? Get sermons from Glenn and myself, get lots of songs, Bible studies, all sorts of good stuff. On that missionusa.com slash bridgebox is where you can sign up for only $8 a month. It is the number one way that folks like the podcast support what we do in Chicago and what Lee does down there in Tennessee. All right, we're moving on to our first question here. If you have us all the way to the end, I give some ways to get in touch with this, or you can scroll down into your episode description and click the links there. First question comes into our email inbox and says, I am in the middle of a career transition and in need of guidance. I decided earlier this year that I needed to leave my job. My work personal life was too out of balance, and I realized that after 11 years, I could no longer consistently work odd hours and holidays. 
After several months of quietly searching for a new job in a city that's closer to family, I was unexpectedly laid off last month. In one way, it was a blessing because I was given the chance to recharge my batteries. My wife and I enjoyed our extra time together, and we just had a nice vacation. Now, though, I'm getting restless. I, fi I filed for unemployment. I'm worried about how long it'll take to get a new job. I'm constantly thinking about what I need to do next. I know there's no shame in being laid off, no shame in going on unemployment, and I'm confident I'll ultimately land just fine. Still, I feel uneasy in the interim, and I'm not doing as good a job as I would like finding balance despite no longer working the job that was so taxing. How do you take care of yourself emotionally so that you're the best version of yourself for your family? And Glenn, I'd love to get started off here. I really, there's a lot going on in this question, but I really like one of the reasons I want to look at on the show was I think a lot of folks find themselves in this kind of situation where clearly the person writing the email knows what the right answer is yeah, and feels that way for the most part. They yeah. can look at this and say, I'm confident these are going to work out and I will, I will find a job. You know, we yeah. push through that maybe on a front of something. But I think it's a very interesting and a very immediate idea of, I know it and I'm feeling it for the most part, but while I'm in this in-between period, I still just don't really know what that's what a healthy in between period looks like. Like yeah. people spend a lot of talk on, you know, well, you're going to get there and it's and that's fine, but you just have to live out that time yeah. until the next thing comes along. So how do we how do we go about doing that in a good way? Well, I think first and foremost, let's look at the fact that all of us crave having a certain amount of structure, a certain amount of uh, routine in our lives. That's just uh, I've done prison ministry now for nearly three decades. I can tell you no place on earth thrives on routine more than a jailhouse does uh, because mm. there's nothing really going on. But <laughs> you know, you get this built-in... The, 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 the major concern for any prison administration is when we need to change how we do chow time or when the TV goes on or whatever the thing is. When, it, when there's a break in routine, everybody in the whole building freaks out, you know, that kind of thing. We crave that, that, that structure, and I don't think that's a bad thing in and of itself. I think, uh, and I think it's good to be organized, generally speaking, in, in the broad strokes. I think it's really important to be flexible within that, and it's really important to know when to frickin' relent with that. But um, I, I think creating a day where you sit down and schedule what you're going to do, even if it's, I'm going to fix the thing, I'm going to go to the Home Depot and get a can of paint and paint the thing and whatever the thing is. Um, I'm going to you know do this job interview thing, or I'm going to do whatever those things are. Fill your schedule out. Uh, create that routine, have a sense of, of purpace for every day. That's a good thing. It's that healthy. That's a great point. And if you're really just want to fill out schedule, that can be things like from one to two, I'm going to take a walk from this. That's I'm right. Gonna, like, yeah. If it makes yeah. it feel good to f feel good to have things on the schedule, they don't have to be what we would necessarily think of as productive things, but yeah. that I, you know, after lunch every day, I go do this or I go talk to this person. Those are good schedule fillers. Yeah. Yeah. You know, from, and, and you know, I'm going to look, for a job for this time to this time, or I'm going to take some time and cook dinner for everybody because they've been so supportive from this point to that point in my day or whatever. Yeah, just schedule those things out. Um, so, uh, but now having said that, it's important 
for us to talk about this religion. It's a it's 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 everywhere, people, and it's the it's it's a cre- you know how they say beware of this religion. It's coming, and you don't even know you're on it. Ooh, scary secret religion. Yeah, it's called busyanity. Ah, and that's mm. where you is that worship of a beloved sitcom actress, Busy Phillips. Uh, no, oh. that, that would make more sense. Well, <laughs> uh, it's simply finding a sense of meaning and purpose and a sense of personal importance to the extent that you are busy. Uh, if you work with pastors, as I do, you can get them to admit to anything, but you can't get them to admit, I'm not that busy. I've got yeah. time. I don't, I mean, I, you could put a gun to their head and try and make them admit it. They're not going to do it. <laughs> my, my favorite trick, I was talking to Jed about this recently, because we all had this where somebody wants to have an appointment with you and you'd just really rather not. And it, you know, you know, there's not going to be a point to it and whatever. It's just kind of a, a wasted thing. If I have that, uh, particularly if it's with a clergy person or a denominational person, I'll I'll take whatever date they give me and I'll go one week after that and say, I can meet with you one week after the date you give me. And every single time they will give me a, they won't agree to that and will push me back another week after that because they don't want to admit that they're available at that time. They don't want to admit that they're less busy than me, in other words. I could just keep playing that game forever. I'll never meet with this person if I just act like I'm slightly more busy than they are. Uh, it is rampant. It is, uh, for a lot of people, that sense of um, having something to do every single waking moment and driving ourselves crazy, getting something done, having everything full. Uh, for a lot of people, they, they feel like that's a good thing. That's a productive thing. That's a godly thing. This is a, having a rich, full life. In many cases, it's hideously unhealthy. So the Lord may be trying to teach you something about busyanity right now and what you're going through. It's a great time to learn that about, you know, what gives me meaning, what gives me purpose, what makes me an important individual, what's, what's a healthy life look like, what does a balanced life look like, Yeah, all of those things. I think let's take this opportunity to learn about that. Uh, the last thing you're mentioning there, and I'll touch on real quick, is the idea of worrying about getting the next job. Uh, it reminds me of, uh, you know, it's that old story about the old man who's dying on his deathbed. And he, he says, you know, uh, I've had a lot of trouble in my life, a lot of which never happened. And that's what worrying is about. You know, yeah. you, you experience a lot of things going wrong that never actually happened. That's uh, that's rough. That's that's what, when we think about worry, uh, we're supposed to look at uh, the fact that we're experiencing an emotional state about something that is not going on. And uh, I, I think the, if we can see it in that way, it allows us to move through that. I'll let these other guys expand on that kind of stuff, but I think it's important to recognize that that's not helping you, and it's it's better for us to find a way to put that in a box. I think it's a really, really great point. And Leo, I'd love you to pick us up right there on exactly what Glenn's saying, because I think part of what he's talking about with that balance, and it goes back to where yeah. he started with the structure of, uh, you know, everybody talks about work-life balance. It's a great goal. It's an important goal. But then I think 
whenever we get in a place where we feel like we're behind, that could be, I'm not cut of my work. That could be, I'm looking for a job. So there's this idea of, I will get to a certain point and then I'll worry about balance, mm. which I, I'm not sure is the right way to think about it. And there may be right. some things that we can learn even when we're in a less than ideal situation that'll help us cultivate some of that idea around balance. Can you tell us what some of those things might yeah, be? Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, yeah, you're, you're exactly right in the way that you're setting this up. And, and uh, it's one of the things that I love about, well, one, I love all the stuff that, that Glenn was laying out there. It's exactly right. I, 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 he reminded me of the social philosopher Tom Petty, who said, most of the things I worried about never happened anyway. And um, and one of the things that I actually really respect about y'all's organization, and it's the same uh, in in the environment where I work, is that the head honcho wants to make sure that everybody has hobbies. That's a very interesting thing. Um, I know this is a thing with uh, with with kind of Glenn's organizational structure. It's the same way with with my boss. Is that he wants to make sure that everybody uh, has a thing that they do with some of their time that they just dig. Just something that they're into, something that that they enjoy. Um, I would expand on that and to say, and, and I really, really respect that. And I've kind of personally flourished under that kind of environment where the the head honcho is saying, take time to do things that you just like, and and, and be intentional about that. Set side set aside time just to do things that you dig. Um, there will be a surprising amount of benefit to just to taking care of yourself physically. And, and what that means is, and I, I would kind of expand this idea out to say, um, it means taking time for exercise, taking uh, intentionally uh, looking at the way that you're eating, uh, consistent sleep, uh, and then, and also hobbies. The, the, the thing is, is that when we're in the midst of a, a season that feels that feels strained or feels stressful, we have a tendency to feel like I have to do this and then I, exactly as you're saying, Matt, I have to do this first and then one day when things get steady, I can think about balance. The truth of the situation is, is that in any season, we need to consider balance. We need to consider our sleep. We need to consider the food, that the fuel that we're intaking. We need to consider our body, our exercise, the way that we feel physically, and we need to consider the fun that we're having. Um, we were made for a full experience of life, and that means in every season, in seasons where we are um, you know, burning the candle at both ends because of necessity, whatever, whatever, we need to, to intentionally go after things that are just for fun things that are for our benefit, that we're thinking about the way that we eat, thinking about the way that we sleep and all that kind of stuff. And that is because it's, this is part of being human. It's an important, like making time for get-tos, not just crossing off the have-tos, making time for get-tos, enjoying the time that we're spending, growing in the things that we're interested in. All these things increase our experience of just being a human being. Um, and, and it also... It also kind of sends a message to this thing that's deep down inside of all of us. And, and Glenn kind of spoke to this with the, uh, the, the busyanity uh, discussion. But there's a, a very similar kind of thing that happens to us, which is that we think that, that that thing that we do for a job is the number one indicator of our personal worth. That somehow what we do, you know, whoever signs the paycheck 
That right there is the number one indicator of our personal worth. That's a trap that so many of us fall into when the truth is, is that our worth is set by the fact that the Son of God gave his blood for us. Period. The end. I am a child of the the God of the universe, and he has adopted me into his family. He's taken my place, paid for me by his own blood. That sets my worth. My worth is settled. We're, we're not... I don't have to ask that question anymore, which means that whatever job I do, if I land this job or I do this job for a season, I move on to a different job or whatever, that's not the thing that sets or determines my worth. If I can get my heart and my mind around that, then I can relax about some of the busyanity, I can relax about some of this other stuff, and I can go ahead and go after the balance in my life with the you know, with the the eating and the sleeping and the and the hobbies and all that kind of stuff, the the things that bring me pleasure and and bring me uh, adventure and excitement and all that kind of stuff, and space and and the ability to explore my own personality, know myself, I can do all of that without worrying about what anybody else thinks about my worth. And I think that's so much the trap that we fall into is. How are other people going to perceive me if I don't land this job or if it takes me this amount of time to get to this place where I'm making this salary or whatever, whatever? If we can move away from the idea that the, the, whoever signs my paycheck is determining my worth, then we can feel free to find the balance in other parts of our life, whether that's our, our hobbies, exercise, food, the way we spend free time, downtime, days off, all that kind of stuff, so that we can have a full and a rich experience of what it means to be a human person. That's all fantastic stuff. And Chad, let you close this out here. So I think it's important to onboard exactly what Lee's saying there. Totally. Your, your job not being the defining thing in your life. Uh, in our work at The Bridge, we work with a lot of folks who are either kind of coming out of a place where the prisoner drug addiction, where they haven't had a job, they're trying to figure that out. Or they're trying to kind of move from something that was kind of like an hourly, whatever, while they were recovering, some more. But there's a lot of anxiety around that kind of uh, identity with a job. Yeah. And one of the things we definitely try to tell them is exactly what Lee's saying there. If you know, it's a job is a tool. It's not something that defines you. But at the same time, we do. It's good to have one. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a lot of positives like rent and whatnot. Yes. Um. So when we deal with something like that of. Well, I think what you would call left and right limits on the show. Of yeah. There's something that is important and you clearly, you want a job, you want to have you know a good job, you want to have a job you like, that's all positive, but you don't want to go too far in that direction. What, particularly when we're in a place like, we, I remember the show's been unemployed at times, where we, all you have is kind of a yawning chasm of time. Yeah. yeah. How do you go about maintaining that balance without falling too far one side or the other? Man, that's a great question. And I think there's kind of a philosophical slash theological answer to that, and there's a practical answer to that. I think the the theological answer to that, it begins with a question, which is, whose problem is this to solve? Is this your problem to solve, or is it God's problem to solve? Because if it's your problem to solve, well, get to solving it, and let me know how it goes. If it's God's problem to solve, then the next thing is to figure out what your role is within that. If it's God's problem to solve, then it's about... Um, seeking through both prayer and wise counsel, what is an appropriate form of participation for me to take in this problem that God is solving, but recognizing that too little involvement is not good, but too much involvement is also not good. 
Um, uh, I think all of us on the show have dealt with unemployment. I've had a number of people that I'm very close to my life deal with extended unemployment. And uh, understandably, it's very easy for folks to get in a place where they feel completely freaked out about being unemployed. And this is the only thing that's on my screen. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to work 18 hours a day on trying to find the next job. And one of the things that you quickly run into with any kind of job search is the recognition, this isn't up to you. You can't force the next job to occur. Yeah. Um, I mean, by the numbers, sooner or later, another job will come along, but you can't, you can't force that to happen. It's, it's going to happen when it happens. If, if you add the Lord into the equation, then we have the idea that the Lord has a, a next job for you, but that will happen in his timing. So, yes, doing nothing related to your job search, uh, just, you know, I'm going to, I'm, I'm planning on the Lord to provide, so I'm not even sending out resumes. That, that would be too far in one direction. But the, the obsessive 18 hours a day, you know, it's, you know, I'm just, I'm a pound the pavement and not take no for an answer. Uh, you are, cause you're going to get told no a lot. So you know, that's, that's too far in the other direction. The thing that I have seen folks do that, that works well, again, this begins with deciding this is God's problem to solve. If we're willing to do that, then I think it's about praying and talking with your spouse and maybe talking with an older brother in the Lord and maybe talking with a career counselor and deciding on what is an appropriate expenditure of time each day for the job search. Uh, that's going to vary a bit person to person. I'm just going to make up a number. It, it, it wouldn't necessarily be appropriate for you, but let's call it three hours a day against a number I've picked at random. But I'm going to spend three hours a day working on my job search. I'm not going to do less than that. I'm also not going to do more than that. Um, I've, I have talked with the stakeholders, so to speak, in my life. I have prayed it through. I believe this is an appropriate amount of expenditure. Again, for you, maybe that's a higher number, maybe it's a lower number, but, um, this I've, I've landed on what is appropriate. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do that faithfully. And I'm going to do that to the best of my ability. And then I'm closing that chapter for the day. And I'm moving on to all of the balanced stuff that Lee is talking about and all of the great stuff that Glenn is talking about. And one more thing that's that's worth noting, um, my my wife's work currently actually involves doing a lot of hiring, so she's on on the other side of the equation. And here's the thing that I just from talking with her that I've learned and I I know to be true is, um, if you come into an interview looking like you haven't slept in three days and you haven't shaved and you're haggard and you need a job now, it's evil. But they're not going to give you the job. That's wrong. I mean, it's it's immoral that they can sense that you need the job and therefore they're not going to give it to you. It's also the truth, dude. Um, if you want to do well in interviews, that's about being calm, cool, and collected. Um, and that comes from having balance. And balance comes from not overdoing one part of your life, which includes overdoing that job search. Meanwhile, we're praying for you. We believe in you. We've got your back. Absolutely right. That is the most important thing we can offer. One uh, thing I'll throw in the end here, all these guys give you a lot of great stuff, is you can't all these things you're talking about with the balance and they're talking about with kind of doing that, these attitudes, it is a wrong idea that a lot of people have. And I know I've had at times to assume that a certain amount of momentum is going to happen on that. I'll tell you what I mean by that. So you've had this thing, this job in your life that has been this huge drain and you've overworked and you've probably come up with a lot of coping mechanisms to just deal with this horrible thing. So then that goes away and it may be natural to think, well, now I'm I'm just going to naturally relax. I don't yeah. think about it anymore. Yeah. 
when you, you are actually probably in what we would refer to as crisis mode and you have to actively shift your thinking out of that or you're just going to find the next crisis to shove into that mindset. Yeah. Um, and unemployment's a very easy one. So you had this job that was stressing you out and had you worried all the time and had you sound like keeping an, maybe an unhealthy schedule that you were it's the easiest thing in the world, and it's most people's natural idea to just go ahead and slide unemployment into that, exactly as Jed's talking about. So you need to think through the things these guys have given you. And one very practical tip I will I'll give you is there, if you have a moment where you're feeling the freak out or I got to do more, it's a good stop down to be able to take a breath and ask yourself, is this really a crisis or am I just looking for something to be a crisis? Yeah. Mm. Is, is this thing that's happening right now a full-on crisis. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. It's probably not, but that could be, you know, not getting an email returned or whatever. You say, okay, I'm acting as if there's a crisis here. Is there, or am I just looking for one because I'm used to that? And if you find that answer, then you can apply a lot of the the good theory and a lot of the good practical tips these guys have given you to shift on out of that. We jump to our next question here. It comes into our Tumblr inbox and it says, so I've been talking to this guy. He seems great. And I want to get to know him more, but he's a pastor's son. I honestly don't have a problem with that. And I like that, but he has a lot of commitments going to work and having to attend worship practices and church, same routine every day. I'm trying to work out how we're going to get together for the first time and spend some time together. Thanks. And Lee, I, I like this question a lot, actually, because we, we talk a lot on the show and it is, it is true. It is the uncle Glenn number one rule of dating. And we, that you deserve to be with someone who wants to be with you. Amen. And we talk about people putting in the effort. That's very true. That's a good thing. Now we also need to, um, now that we have a specific example to talk about, we also do need to talk about some practicalities because, uh, sometimes people do have work and band practice. That's not the same as not wanting to be with you. Right. So how do we go about applying some practical, some creative problem solving? And how do we go about defining that difference of, ah, this person is making up that they have, nobody's that busy. I just move on versus let's keep working, figuring out a way to try to make this something. Dude, I, I think you nailed it. I think there's a, there's a really fine line there. Um, I, my first piece of advice, I'm trying to imagine like, uh, you know, somebody in our actual church is is kind of digging on somebody on our worship team, and um, and the very first thing I would say to them is, okay, he's super busy. He's on the worship team. Have you thought about volunteering to be one of the people that that uh, advances slides on Sunday morning? Because those people show up for rehearsal, and they get to be here when nobody else is here. Um, I, I love this idea of finding a creative way to make your paths cross with somebody who's really busy. Um, I think it shows initiative. I think it shows bravery. One thing that we've said on this podcast a lot when it comes to the dating stuff is to the brave go the fair. Um, we want to we want to show that we're willing to take a step to to you know to put ourselves out there to say like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna volunteer for the 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 person who advances the slides and the pro presenter presentation for the worship team so that I get to be a, at a place where you are because I want to hang out with you. I like that idea a lot, um, and I think there's a there's a whole lot to be said for that kind of approach. But exactly as Matt's laying out, there's another side to this, which is um, at a certain point, le- like let that be a, a a place where things kick off. 
But at a certain point, when you are demonstrating this kind of bravery and courage and uh, making a move and and trying to, you know, uh, start some conversation and all that kind of business, at a certain point, we need to get to the place where um, the other person is willing to put some time into intentionally hanging out with you as well. Um, I this can be said of of Glenn. It can be said of Jed. It can even be said of Matt. It can definitely be said of of me as well. We all of us on this podcast have taken have have thrown our hat in the ring on leading a little worship from time to time, and we can all tell you this: there are four chords, four of them. Hello, there are four chords. You don't need to go over them more than once. There are four chords. Um. Look, I love the idea of being brave and putting yourself out there and making a creative move to get in this guy's face space. That's fantastic. I applaud that wholeheartedly. But at a certain point, if this guy is so invested in the worship team that he doesn't have time to date a beautiful woman of God, um, excuse me, there are four chords. Just four of them. Just four of them. Put a capo on and play them somewhere else, brother. And then yeah. take this woman out for coffee. So uh, we do want to go back to rule number one, exactly as Matt laid it out. At a certain point, uh, you deserve to be with someone who realizes the amazing treasure that you are, that cherishes what you bring to the table and makes you feel like the absolute jackpot of the entire world. So look, I, I applaud the bravery and creativity of trying to get in this guy's space. And then at a certain point, this needs to kick over where dude realizes what he's got in in, in the, the the joy and the pleasure and the, the honor that he has to get to hang out with you. So we need to make sure that that kicks off at a certain point and that you're not just chasing somebody around who is quote unquote too busy. That's all very, very good stuff, though. I think we should all point out just as a as a something to say, the legal department. Glenn is morally opposed to capos. That's true. So that's just use your finger, show some character. We we want to represent the diversity of viewpoints that we have here on the Say That podcast. But that's that's all really strong stuff from Lee. I think that's that's all dead spot on. Jed, love to get you to pick us up here because another thing that I think is a commonly held belief that maybe people wouldn't cop to saying out loud, but it's kind of clear of that we and we talk about a lot on the show that communication is important in relationships. But I think there are some people who would say that, yeah, once you're in the relationship. Sure. But to get there, that's a series of artful euphemisms bordering on outright lies. Yeah. And then we get to a relationship, and then we have to communicate in a healthy way. Sure. When maybe what we, if you have all these feelings and yeah. concerns, maybe words would yes. be a great place to start with that. Well, I couldn't agree more. I guess here's... I'm about to tell you some things that are going to sound really unromantic um, that in my experience wind up in a place of romance, but you kind of have to go through some things that sound unromantic to get there. I think what we need to start with is you deciding what you want. All right. And this is true in all kinds of areas of life. It's super true in romantic relationships, but it's true in a lot of stuff. You need to decide on what you want. If you want to pursue a relationship with this young man, and it sounds like you do, but but it would be good to decide that. We, 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 Almost can't move for, forward from a place of, I mean, maybe, I don't know. We, we, either you're interested or you're not. If you're interested, then we have to go after it. Um, yeah. And if we're going to go after it, then we have to communicate. And a lot of that, it's, it's about two things. One, it's about putting yourself out there. 
Because a lot of the stuff that goes on kind of in a, in a pre-relationship mode is I don't want to get rejected. I don't want to get shot down. But the difficulty is for you to get the thing that you want, you have to put yourself out there. There's, yeah. there's no way around that. But the other side of it is simply being very clear. That sounds unromantic. We, we have in our, in our heads the idea that, that a romantic thing is, again, it's about the artful euphemisms and, and uh, relying on body language. And, and it's the things that are left unsaid that are the most important. Nope. You have to say it out loud. You have to use words and you have to say what you want. So in this case, that might be as simple as saying, you know, and, that, and it sounds like you guys are communicating in some way electronically. So through whatever channel you use, I really like, uh, you know, talking with you. I think it would be great to spend some time together. Do you have room in your schedule for that? Because I would like to do that. I would say it exactly like that. I would, I would use those words. And here's the problem is... Um, you may not get the answer that you want off of that. Um, they may come back and say, yeah, I'm, I, no, I'm not, I'm not feeling that. They may do the, the Christian no, which is, gosh, it's such a busy season right now because yeah. of, well, there's Advent and then there's prevent, and then there's postvent. <laughs> yeah. And well, there's three Kings day. It, there's three Kings the jubilations day. up in there. We've got a cantata and you know, there's a lot going on right now. Wow. But the thing is, that's a no, because right. you were very clear. I like you, and I would like to spend time with you. Do you have room in your schedule? And they are com- coming back and saying, no, I do not have room in my schedule. You've been, t- you've been shot down. You've been told no, and that sucks, and it hurts, and we're really sorry yeah. for it. It also frees you up to move on, yeah. Amen. which is super, super important. But it's also possible that you say those words. Again, you say, I like the way, I like us interacting. I think you're cool. I'd like us to spend some time together. Do you have room in your schedule to do that? There's a chance dude comes back and says, that sounds great. I, I, let, I will make room. Let's, let's do that. that. That's fantastic. In which case, boom, you're getting what you want. Right. Aha. Fewer things in life are better than that. You're getting what you want. Hooray. But now let's, let's review how we got to this point. You decided on what you wanted. Yeah. And then you communicated it clearly. Yeah. It's, it's critical that we recognize those two steps because what got us from point A to point B is also what will get us from point B to point C. Amen. If you guys do hang out and you, you, he makes time and you, you, you will want this relationship to continue to grow and to go farther, you will again need to decide on what you want and then you will need to say it out loud. You will need to communicate it out loud. If there's one idea that people who are new to relationships in general or new to a specific relationship, if there's one idea that they have in their heads that tends to shipwreck things, it's the belief, well, they should just know. <laughs> That's right. I, I think that may be the most common yep. and the most damaging idea that people have in their heads about a budding relationship. Say they that, should just dude. Know. Yeah. They should yep. just know. A, a few things on that. A, they don't know. Right. And I want to be clear, this cuts both ways on the gender thing. Yep. Yep. Uh, it's, it's, not, it's not just men or just women. It cuts both ways. They don't know. It actually doesn't matter if they should or not. Right. They don't. If you want them to know, you must tell them. Right. I know it feels unromantic to do that. I know it feels vulnerable to do that. And I know that it's tempting to feel like it means you don't have as good of a relationship as you wish you had, because in the fictional version of the good relationship, they would know. I recognize all of that. Still, 
grown folks' time, they don't know, you must tell them. Yeah. That's it. That's true before you've even technically begun dating. That will still be true after like 20 years of marriage. Right. Yep. If, if you want them to know, you must tell them. You must decide on the thing that you want, and then you must use words to communicate. But here's the key thing. It will work. It doesn't sound romantic, and it may not exactly feel romantic in the moment <laughs> right. that you do it, but it will lead to good places. It will work. It will pay off. You will be glad that you did it. You've got the courage to do that. We believe in you. We absolutely do. It's all excellent stuff. Glenn, where would you close us out? Well, I, I would really build on what Jed was saying there, particularly about the vulnerability piece at the end. There is no romance without vulnerability. Nope. Zero. If you're, and a lot of people picture, I want a really romantic relationship where I'm never vulnerable. <laughs> what would that even be? There's no such thing. There's no that would be being the protagonist of a romantic movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, exactly. You would need to put yourself out there if you want to have romance. Those two go together. That's it. That, it doesn't matter what any, anything. That's how that works. Okay. Um, so it, it, we're back to busyanity again. I notice with this question of you know this guy's super busy doing busy things. I agree with Lee and uh, a, a thousand uh, people who have gone to overly long uh, praise team practices cry out, why are we still going over this? <laughs> we don't need to go over this. Don't tell me we're going to do this verse quiet. Just come in quiet. I'll play quiet. I can hear you. <laughs> we don't need to rehearse quiet. We all know that's going to be the third verse. Spoiler alert. Yeah, I mean, you know, come on, man. Do we need to rehearse because you guys have spent an insane amount of money on equipment and you don't yeah. know how to use it? Oh, Jed, don't tell him, Jed. Gosh. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, yeah, you There's, know. To the booth, could you turn up the talent in my monitor? <laughs> yeah, that's right. There's a lot of that, you know. Yeah. This you know, and a lot of lonely people that don't have anything else going on and all that. So look, look, you know, you you don't. Nobody needs to spend more than fifteen minutes going over songs for an entire worship service, in my experience. Uh, and I'm not a talented musician, so if I'm saying that, there's that. So that's that's not a thing. Um, uh, also, uh, I you, it appears that you're worrying about his schedule for him and then using that as yeah maybe I should you know maybe I should figure that out for him before I ask him out and so on and so forth. Well that's the no that's not uh, you let him worry about that. <laughs> you just tell him what you feel and what you want exactly as Jed was saying. Um but I I'm with Lee uh the idea of you approaching this person and they're saying I simply don't have time for romantic relationships. That's a person you don't want to have a relationship with. And I don't care how amazing he is on any other point. Well, good luck. I mean, uh, at the end of this dude's life, let's just imagine a theoretical dude who's just too busy, y'all, for having romantic relationships. This dude's life is going to be raw misery. (laughs) I mean, do you think he'll come to the end of his life and say, gosh, you know, I could have lived a full, rich, long life with this amazing godly woman who could have been the love of my life and we had children together and just live a life of richness and fullness. But, you know, 
I got that promotion at one time. Right. I mean, come on, dude. That's that's you, you that's know, literally the story of Scrooge, Glenn. Yeah, I mean, literally. This is, this is not. You're not looking for that. I see a rehearsal without a musician. <laughs> You know, here's here's the thing. Uh, let's now talk about because we're we're talking about some ideal goals that we're shooting for in the future. Let's talk about the way a godly man or a godly woman reacts to um, a challenge or a calling or an opportunity that 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 comes their way. What happens is you come to a fork in the road. You know, here's a job offer. Here's a person who wants to date you. Here's an opportunity to move to another city and do a different kind of a thing and whatever those things are. This is something that's come into your life and you have to make this decision. You come to a fork in the road. One fork in that road says, let me look at what I've got in order to see, do I have the resources available within myself to do this and do it well. That's the unchristian response. The Christian response is, what does God want me to do? Those are, there is no, you know, the first one sounds responsible. Sounds like, well, now, you know, I, I, I want to be a good boyfriend. I hear this a lot. I want to be a good boyfriend, but if I don't have time to do it right, well, I, maybe I just shouldn't do it at all. Wait a second. Is God calling you to be a boyfriend? If the answer to that is yes, you need to cancel something, my man, if you don't have the time to do it right. If God's not calling you to be a boyfriend, it doesn't matter whether you're busy or not. The answer is no. Tell this, this lovely young lady no. See, uh, I think Christians, and I'm talking about strong Christians. I'm talking about pastors. I'm talking about denominations. This is how they make decisions. It's up to me to figure it out based on what I assess as the available resources of time and money and whatever else, and I look at that, and I'm going to let that make the decision instead of God making that decision. Here's, here's my experience of walking with God. My experience is God says, cross the Red Sea. And you say, well, I don't have a boat, and I don't have a boat big enough for all these people who are with me. And God says, cross the Red Sea. And then you walk down to the water because you're like, okay, that's step number two. You know, first is receive the information, cross the Red Sea. Second one is walk down to the water because you're just following through with this crazy thing. And then the Red Sea parts. That's the sequence of events when I'm following the Lord. If you're looking at, well, I'm looking at water, I can't get across it, so the answer is no. This is the this is the mentality of somebody who has spent no time praying about this. I want to know from the Lord, is this something the Lord wants in your life right now, or is it not? I want you to pray about it. Uh, that's the right thing to ask a godly person. And uh, the the um, the the Christian response, the godly response, is uh, might sound a whole lot more like. You know, I'm praying about it, and the Lord's given me some leading like this. this you know, he wants stuff like this in my life, but I don't know how that's going to happen, and I don't know. I need to make changes to make that work, and I got to start working on that right now. I guess if if, if He's calling me to this, 
that's still a person who's in confusion. That's still a person who doesn't know how he's going to get across the Red Sea and all those kinds of things. That's all legit. But that's someone who's got a leading and a big challenge that he's trying to figure out how to measure up to. That's different from someone who says, I'm busy and busy is good and it's godly and it's important and it's meaningful and it helps me to avoid all the important things in life I need to be doing and it helps me to not listen to the Lord at all, so I'm going to follow through with that. That's not the kind of guy you want to be in a relationship with. Indeed, it is not. Excellent stuff from all these guys. We move on to our final question here. It comes in and says, Over the last four years, I've been struggling with chronic pain just to my arms, nowhere else. Fifteen doctors have given up on my case because no one can figure out what I have. Over the last four years, the pain has only gotten worse to the point I can't go out a lot. And if I do, most of the time I leave early because I'm in too much pain to enjoy myself. How can I take steps to overcome my pain. I hate missing out on things, even church activities. It's hard living with pain. This mystery to all medical professionals and even meds don't work for me. Any advice would be great. Thanks so much. Uh, fantastic question. Now, with the uh, what should be obvious caveat, if you listen to Candy Chat, we're not doctors. Nope. So we're not going to give any medical advice. Uh, we don't listen to your doctors. We, we certainly will pray that you, you get some answers on that. But Jed, um, from what we can offer in yeah. working with people who are going through a hard time and trying to figure out life on that uh, tip, where do we start with offering some help here? Well, we're sorry for what you're dealing with. Uh, we yeah. love you. We believe in you. We're praying for you. Um, when a bad thing happens in our lives, uh, and, and this actually is true of, of all kinds of stuff, you've got the initial period. It's just happened, and everything in life is topsy-turvy. Uh, it kind of is, and it could be an emergency situation. It's certainly a crisis situation, and it's kind of a time where all bets are off. Uh, we we don't know what to think. We don't know what to do, and that can last for certainly a few days, uh, a few weeks, even even a few months. And then at a certain point, there's this incredibly hard thing that doesn't get talked about very often, where the bad thing is still kind of going on, but this is just my normal life now. Uh, it's not a crisis anymore because it's just this is what I wake up to every day. Right. It's not an emergency because I keep waking up to it. So it's just it's just kind of here. So what do I do? And you might have heard people use the phrase "dealing with a new normal" in your life, and and that is a big part of I think where you may be at. Where my life has taken a turn. And in fairness, it's a crappy turn, and we are we are so sorry for it. But if we're four years in, we it's just this is life now. Uh, we we all hope and pray that tomorrow there will be a breakthrough phone call from a medical lab that's got this whole thing figured out, and they're going to give you a shot, and it's just done. So we all hope and pray that happens. But if it doesn't, we're going to wake up the day after tomorrow. And it's the same thing. So, so what do we do with that? And I think the thing that we do is we look and say, how do I live a satisfying and full life under really imperfect circumstances? And that's a tough question. It's a question that Christianity is extremely prepared to speak to, but it doesn't come up in church very often. The Christian cultural thing is, how do we get to a place where everything's awesome and then just maintain that. Yeah. Just keep that going forever. Well, the problem with that is nobody really gets to do that. Um, 
And if you've got a problem in your life like massive chronic pain, you definitely don't get to do that. So what we're left with is I've got a really imperfect situation that it's certainly for the time being, it may be a long-term thing. How do I live a good, satisfying life in the midst of that? How do I live? How do I do that? And I think that's the point you're at is figuring out how do I live my life now? But again, fortunately, the Bible has some really good answers on that. The first thing that we want to look at is to ask the question, what can you do? In other words, I know there are a ton of limitations on you, and we, we are so sorry for every single one of them. But there are things you can do. There are options that are available to you right now today. There's stuff you can do to move your life forward and to build towards a life that would be more satisfying to you, that would be more meaningful to you, that just be better for you. The question is, how are we doing on that journey? Do we know what the next steps are there? Are we taking those next steps? If we don't know what they are, are we in the process of figuring out what those next steps are? The other question, which goes right along with it, is how can I serve others now? Mm. If you're on the green side of the grass, there's a way for you to serve other people. It may be small in the eyes of the world. Uh, It may never make the papers. But there's a way that you can serve other people right now if you're, if you're on this side of eternity. And you will be more satisfied in your life if you are doing that. Amen. You will be more satisfied in your Christianity if you are doing that. And if we, again, just like with the first question, if we're not serving other people right now, do we know what that might look like? If we don't know what that might look like, are we invested in and engaged in the journey of discovering what that might look like? To really put those two things together, um, there's a thing called the serenity prayer that it's used in addiction recovery a lot, but it massively applies to this kind of situation, which is, Lord, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And if we're honest, deep down, all of us are faced with that situation. Uh, But when we have ongoing, very difficult problems in our lives, it's a lot more obvious that we're faced with that situation. There is stuff that you don't have the power to change, at least not right now in your life. But there is stuff you do. There is stuff you do have the power to change, both for your own sake and for the sake of serving other people. And what we need the Lord to give us is the wisdom to know which is which and the courage to one step at a time move into that better life, even in the midst of its imperfections. You can do that. You have what it takes in God's strength to do that one day at a time, and we absolutely 100% believe in you. That's absolutely right. And I, I think one of the things about this, and Leah, I'd love to go to you here. Um, we, we talked to a friend of ours about this who's, who is a medical professional, and it was a very interesting piece of information, piece of insight she gave us, which was there's going to be the thing, in this case, chronic pain, in other people's cases, that may be whatever the, the physical, the medical ailment is. And then, especially when you're in this place of not getting answers, of not being able to move forward on that, there's going to be a bunch of other stuff that happens around that. Yeah. And one of those is very, very often going to be kind of depression and feeling down and in general. And it, it would be a bad idea to wait to solve the medical mystery to start working on that other stuff because... Right it is a problem in and of itself. There's, there's I have a, a, an illness that's a problem, but then depression is going to be its own thing. Anxiety around that's going to be its own thing. So if we're, Lee, if we're going to look at that and there's, you know, some stuff that we need to, that we hope gets fixed, but we can't fix it. We don't have the medical degree to 
to house this thing out or yep. pick a TV show from the last 15 years. I went with house because I'm old. Um, but there are some things we can do about, about our mindset and about taking care of ourselves on some other tips, right? Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, w- when you are in this kind of situation, any kind of pain or sickness that, especially anything like this that lasts for a long time, is going to spin out into other stuff. And it's going to spin out into, uh, you know, just feelings of uh, being down. You're going to have dark days. You might have dark months. Uh, you might just feel this kind of wave of of sadness. All of that makes perfect sense, by the way. And And as we talk about this, we want to say that we are, exactly as Jed said, we are sorry for what you're going through. We are praying for you. We would love to hear back from you and to just to kind of walk with, with you through this whole uh, journey. But you're going to feel sad. And exactly as Matt's saying, that there could be a, a possible feeling of, well, first I need to get rid of this chronic pain, and then I can deal with the sadness. Well, actually, we, what we need to do is we need to deal with everything that we're feeling. Uh, we need to give everything its due. Um, and so what that means is we need to talk to doctors about, um, you know, sadness. We need to talk to doctors about sleep. We need to talk to doctors about diet. But if you're feeling down, if you're feeling depressed, that is a situation that is, it is a different problem that is going to probably present in the, in the situation that you're dealing with. And there are, you know, there are, um, medical interventions that we could do to take care and to, to meet that need. Um, and you know, if you're not having a, um, like if you're not having a specific response to the medical interventions that you're having, that you're trying for the, for the, you know, the, the pain that you're having in your arms, that's one thing, but that doesn't mean that all the medical interventions that you could try will have zero effect. So if you're having some, if you're down, if you're feeling, uh, especially just kind of constantly down. If you're feeling a wave of downness, you can't do anything about it, you don't know where it's coming from or, or what to do about it, this is something to talk to a doctor about, and they may be able to pres- prescribe a medicine um, or you know some kinds of interventions that, are gonna, that would meet those needs. Um, these are things that all kind of feel kind of lumped together in the same thing, but we would be able to find different interventions to deal with these different things. So what we would want, what we'd advise you to do is to deal with everything that you're feeling as honestly as you can as you can express it to whatever professionals that you're dealing with not assuming that we have to solve the thing that happened first before we tackle new things that are presenting because if we are if you are experiencing you know uh, difficulty sleeping or if you're experiencing difficulty you know if you're sp- experiencing some depression or some anxiety those are things that have specific um, you know, we have specific ways of dealing with those things that don't have to do with the joint pain or don't have to do with the muscle pain and stuff like that. So we don't want to ignore those things while we're waiting on an intervention that's going to work with, with the chronic pain. We want to deal with everything as it comes because all of those things are important. All of those things are going to have to do with your quality of life and the way that you are seeing and dealing with this problem. And we have specific ways of dealing with each of those pieces. That that's all exactly spot on. And Glenn, where would you where would you wrap this discussion up? Well, I agree uh, first and foremost with all of these fellows. I mean, with a lot of these questions, 
you know, we're we're giving you some technical answers. We're going through some analysis. But if we were having this conversation in real life, we would be taking the first 20 or 30 minutes of the conversation to just talk about, I'm sorry this is happening to you, and, and get more out of you about that. Uh, it, it, Jed and I were talking about a situation the other day uh, about someone we both know is going through a tough situation. And I think we... Sp- Jed described the parameters of that to me in maybe three or four minutes. And we spent maybe 30 minutes unpacking all the ways that sucks because that's, that's the nature of having a struggle and having a problem is it, it it starts to affect everything else that's going on and it creates a mess and all of that. So, I would want to do that with you personally. If I, if you and I were having this conversation face to face, we would be, we'd be going through that. So I guess the right way to look at this is to start by looking at what and taking an unblinking view with no judgments, an unblinking view of what is this doing to you emotionally and psychologically. You know, what is the pain doing to you psychologically? Because it's it's easy to say, uh, so I get mad or I get frustrated. Uh, let's go deeper than that. You know, we need to go deeper. Uh, it's easy to say, I, you know, it's tough, but God's good all the time. No, that's not. You're just using a spirituality to to get into denial. So here's what we're doing. Zero denial on anything. Right. Zero wallowing on anything. Those are our two left and right limits. No denial at all. No wallowing. Now you say, well, if I'm not going to wallow, there comes a point where I just have to, 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 you know, you know, hitch up my drawers and go after it. And that involves a certain amount of putting things off till later that I'm dealing with emotionally and what have you. To a certain extent, yes, but that's different from denying that you have that feeling at all. You're acknowledging it. You're just not going to be sitting and stewing in it all day. So those are those are our left and right limits that we're going to set for ourselves. No denial, no wallowing. It's really important for you to get with other people who are having struggles, who have the exact same mentality. No denial, no wallowing. So you can share things back and forth with each other. That's really, really, really important. You could do that with us, of course, uh, but I think uh, if there's online resources, if there are meetings in your area where you can talk about those things, suddenly that load is going to be a lot lighter that's on you. Next thing is, you were asking us, you know, um, you know, uh, what is it that I need to do here? And I think the thing is, with Christians, there's a tendency to think, if I have the right beliefs, I'll have the right actions. And I'll be then a right person based on that. Uh, it sounds right, but it doesn't work that way. I know I, a lot of people have all the wrong beliefs, do all sorts of right things, and they kind of figure out what is truth based on walking a good life. And it just kind of all happens in a weird, swirly mess of a thing, and they just figure it out. So I, I think the idea of um, uh, looking at what do I need to do, uh, I think it's giving you sort of a wrong priority and setting up an unfair standard for you. 
Let's start with who are you going to be? That's mm -hmm. an important choice. Um, are you going to be patient, a patient person? Because it will require a great deal of patience. My guess is you've put a mountain of patience into this. If that's the case, then you need to know that about yourself. You are a remarkably patient person. Are you perfectly patient? Well, nobody is. No, you're, of course not. Are you, are you patient in every moment? No. But if you've come this far and you haven't killed somebody, you're a patient person. Uh, am I the kind of person who um, perseveres? Am I the kind of person who uh, can, uh, can keep courageously striving forward? All of those things. You've actually begun to make those decisions on who you are and who you're going to be, and actions have flowed, have flowed forth from that already. So we don't need to worry about what's the next right thing. We need to focus on you are making a choice to be a good person and a righteous person in the midst of the suffering. That makes you remarkable. It makes you amazing. So what does that look like? Here, let's think of it. Let's try to assume what a day for you might be. Uh, you know, maybe you've been hanging in there all week and whatever, and then you get to this certain day of the week and you've just had it. And you take something and you throw it on the ground and you break it and you say a big swear word and you heave a big sigh, you have a little bit of a cry, and some part of you feels better. Some part of you feels like, man, I need to get that out. You, and then you go to the Lord and say, I need, I, we need, I need you. I need you to hold me right now. I need you to not judge me right now. I need you to just receive me right now. I, I need to, I don't even know what to do next. I can't do anything next. I just need to do this right here. In that moment, here's what's important for you to know. You've learned something. Mm. you've learned something that's a thing you need to teach us you're look you're coming to us for answers you have learned something about life you've learned something about christianity you you've you've made a choice let's say you make the wrong choice it's the same difference if you make the wrong choice and it bites you in the behind you say ah that's not it you keep banging away eventually you find that right choice it's knowledge either way these this is knowledge the world needs what I'm describing to you is your experience is giving you a map. You say, well, for me, progress is hands and knees, and there's nothing but a small pool of light around my feet that I'm using to navigate by. I'm describing Christianity to you. That's what right. Christianity actually is. And you might say, I don't have anything more than the next handful of steps mapped out. And man, have I been going inch by inch and sliding back and taking that inch again. So who am I? Here's what I'm trying to tell you. First of all, you know that territory better than anybody. Second of all, you've earned every inch of that. Third, that sense of mapping out mm. that territory, that's what ministry is. You, can, you have that that you can contribute to others. And I hope, as, as Jed was suggesting, you find that way to take what you've learned through this experience and give it to others, because you, you've learned something and gained something by this that's really profound the rest of us can use. That's a beautiful way 
to wrap that up. It really is. If you have a question for us, say at podcastgmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. And take out the song this week. This is one of our live bridge worship tracks by Jeb. It's called You've Made Up Your Mind. Take out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Let's say that podcast. Break me off a piece of that godly wisdom. Sisters, that's what this song is about. And this is something worth singing about. I want you to sing this like you mean it. We're going to go all the way back to the start and sing about the fact that God has made up his mind on us. Sing this with me. When I mess things up, it's easy to think you love me less. But your love for me is a choice you've made where you see me. to the